As we get started here, it is Father's Day. Um, several months ago, Dylan and I were talking. This is my son Dylan, for anyone who doesn't know, and he is nine years old. Um, but we, uh, we got to talking, and, and he, I said, hey, um, you know, what kind of Father's Day sermon should I preach? And he, he gave me a title, which he's going to tell you what it is here in just a minute. And uh, I was going with Unleashed Fathers or Fathers Unleashed, and he trumped that with his title. And I said, well, that's pretty good. That's a good start. I said, give me some things to work on. And a few weeks later, he came back, and he said, maybe you should use these. And the more we talked about it, and then it was like, hey, how about you do it with me? And, okay, only if I get to do, we're going to do this 50-50. That's what he said. <laughs> so I gave up my microphone, and uh, we're, <laughs> is it on? Did you turn it on? It's on. Okay. Um, At least I think it is. Yeah, you're good. So we're going 50-50, and I'm going to pray real quick. Well, no, I'm not. Go ahead. You're on. Okay. Today is Father's Day. Happy Father's Day to all the dads, whether you're listening online or here with us today. We're glad you're here. Today's sermon is Father's Unleashed, or as I like to call it, dads are awesome, but God is our Heavenly Father, and He is awesomer. But what makes God awesome? He created us in his image. He provides for all of our needs. He sent his son Jesus to die for our sins. When we find ourselves in bad situations, he helps us through. And when we're scared, he is always right beside us. Today we are going to talk about the prodigal son. And since all of us men have been wayward boys once, we are going to look at this story from both sides. (laughs) the son's side but also from the father's side and by the time we get done men we will see that even today we are one of few things when it comes to our relationship with god a wayward son or a father unleashed by god with the power of the holy spirit in you to lead your family and teach your kids will you pray with us Father God, I thank you for today. I thank you for the opportunity we have to, to share your word together, Dylan and I. And I pray that um, as we open up your word on the story of the prodigal son, that you will open our hearts. That, that we'll be receptive to your message and uh, that, that we'll just be receptive to your grace and your love and your forgiveness. Uh, Lord, I just can't thank you enough for this opportunity. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Thanks, Dylan. That's a good start. As a father myself, this story that we're going to talk about today speaks to me differently than it did when I wasn't a father. And so like Dylan said, we're going to look at this story from both points of views. I'm going to kind of settle in on the father's point of view. And uh, it's from Luke chapter 15. It's, it's a story that we're, we all, pretty much everybody has heard or has heard a reference to. Oh, the prodigal son comes home. And uh, Jesus calls it the parable of the lost son. And in Luke 15, verse 11, it starts out like this. There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. And now as we get into this story, it, it kind of parallels along with another story about a friend of mine. I want you to listen along uh, to this story as well as we go along the way. 
piece of a jigsaw puzzle. Somewhere someone has a picture of a mountain range with a peak missing, or the signing of the Declaration of Independence without Thomas Jefferson. <laughs> I haven't seen one of these in a long time. And it's funny because I kind of grew up with puzzles. I can still picture Dad hunched over the card table in the living room, trying to piece together a puzzle of the New England coastline, Mount Rushmore, or some faraway exotic place. He almost always got one for Christmas. He would spend hours working on them. Sometimes he would glue all the pieces together and frame the picture. We kids would all applaud and mom would file the picture in the back of the hall closet <laughs> with all the others. Mom always said that working puzzles relaxed him. Maybe it was supposed to, but I could never resist sneaking into the living room, reaching up on the table when I thought he wasn't looking, stealing a piece of the puzzle, and making a mad dash to escape unnoticed. I would wait impatiently just around the corner, clutching my valuable treasure. Pretty soon the puzzle would be complete except for my piece. You know, Dad would act surprised and call out, I can't find the last piece of the puzzle. The most important piece of the puzzle is missing. I would hardly wait for him to finish before I would go running into the room laughing, waving the last piece of the puzzle in my hand. He was never angry or impatient. He would just lift me up onto his lap and chuckle as I proudly pushed that last piece into place. He would always tell me that I was the most important piece to him, that the picture wasn't complete without me. I guess like most kids growing up, I couldn't imagine a safer place in the whole world than on my father's lap with his arms around me. Well, I suppose I wasn't different. I was different in some ways from most kids. I grew up in the church. I was kind of a professional religious person. You know, we were the last ones to leave church on Sunday mornings. I was playing shepherds in Christmas pageants almost before I could talk. I'll never forget the time my mom put my King Herod beard on with airplane glue. <laughs> For a week, I was the only third grader at school that looked like he was 45 years old. <laughs> mom and dad believed in being involved in the church. They also believed in things like prayer and acting spiritual. I guess as I was growing up, I just never realized how important that was to them. They centered their lives around God. Oh, sometimes I got a bit tired of it all, but I kind of liked that secure feeling that church gave me. I was content for my parents to look out for me and take care of me. At least I was, until I got a little older. I didn't mind going to church that much. It's just that there were other things I wanted to do. I had some big plans for my life. There were so many things I thought I wanted to do and be. But 
I guess most of my friends weren't filled with the same lofty aspirations. It got a lot easier to settle for good times and relationships that demanded very little of me. Integrity and discipline kind of took a back seat. It got a lot easier to be motivated by prestige, recognition, and money. Now you see, not all my friends were druggies or completely without morals. There just wasn't much depth to their lives. I mean, I don't really know what they were living for. Well, about this time, my friends and I got this great idea. Why not just take off and travel around the country, maybe even Europe? We thought it would be a great way to experience life and forget about school and other hassles. I told my parents it was the kind of thing that people like Hemingway did when they were young. Well, mom and dad weren't sure how great the opportunity was. So they decided that it would be wiser if we waited till I was a little older. They didn't seem to think it was that big of a deal. Well, I couldn't believe it. I was sure that this was my big chance to get out and discover who I really was. This was my big career opportunity. I could practically picture my own mansion with a Mercedes parked in front of it. Well, maybe we all have moments in our lives that we are positive are turning points. For me, this was a quest for independence. Suddenly, I realized that all my life, my parents had been trying at every turn to make me into someone I didn't want to be. I remember storming into the living room where my mom and dad were sitting. You don't understand me, do you? I blurted out. Surprised, they both looked up and dad started to answer, but I wasn't listening. You're ruining my one chance for success. You don't care anything about what I want to do. Well, dad smiled a little tiredly and said, sure we do. It's just that we prayed about it and we thought it would be best if, what's best? How do you know what's best for me or anybody? You spent your whole life at that lousy job and putting these stupid puzzles together and what have you got to show for it? Well, I saw a look of hurt pass through my father's eyes. It wasn't like any hurt look I had seen before. But words full of anger and frustration kept tumbling out, and I knew I could never call them back. I'm gonna make something out of my life, and I don't need you. I'm sick of your straight and narrow ways. I'm sick of you, and I'm sick of these endless puzzles. Verse 13 says, not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. Can you envision the disappointment of his father? 
His father had worked hard all his life, has, had built a livelihood for his family, had no doubt hoped that his son would follow in his footsteps. He had planned to maybe turn, turn over the family business to both of his sons when he retired. And now his youngest son is asking for his share of the inheritance before it's time. The father could refuse. If he does, his son may hate him forever and may go away on his own, destitute and bound for disaster. But he loves his son so much. So after weighing the advantages and the disadvantages and the pros and the cons, and he calculates what's due to his son or what would be due to his son upon his death and gives him the value of it. Maybe in his heart he's still hoping that his son will maybe start a business on his own, be a little bit of an entrepreneur and, you know, make his own wealth and find a good wife with, with who he could settle down with. And, you know, maybe he's thinking there's still a chance that this young man will be successful on his own. The young son leaves home. He doesn't go across town or down the road. He leaves the country. His father is heartbroken. The son that he had such high hopes for is gone. He is out of touch, so far away that his father can't check up on him to see if he is all right, so far away that his father cannot give him godly advice. This is no doubt a deliberate choice by the son to keep his father from interfering with his life choices. He wastes his inheritance, blows it all on wasteful living. He wasted on parties and less than average fair weathered friends who abandon him when the money's gone. You know the type. Hangers on who are in for who are in, in it for the short haul. Draining him dry until all his inheritance is spent. Then they leave him alone. His father maybe pauses from time to time throughout the workday, wondering where his son is and what he is doing. I don't know why he didn't just pick up the phone and call. Well, they didn't have phones back then. Maybe he could have sent him a pigeon or something. He could have. <laughs> Wondering how he's doing, if his son was behaving, if he was in trouble, if he needed guidance or assistance. He thinks back maybe on the, the day when his son was born. And as he grew, a happy child growing into a young man, he maybe reflects on the innocence of that child when he was playing, an eager young boy who listened to his father's words. I kind of imagine this father looking away toward the horizon with tears blurring in his eyes, looking for that familiar silhouette of his son, returning from the far country. Stare as he might, there's no one there. Sadly, he turns away and goes back about his business. Life is not the same as it was for the father. The happiness is gone. He, he asked troubling questions of himself. Did I do the right thing? Should I have refused my son his inheritance? He would have despised me, but I've lost him anyway. Where did I go wrong? It would have been nice if I could have made some dramatic exit and just left home. But I didn't. I guess I might as well have. I waited until school was over, and one day while Mom and Dad at work, I wrote them a note saying goodbye, and I left. I never knew why any of it happened. It didn't make any sense. All I knew is that I felt a little lost and empty. Not my freedom 
or anything I had wanted was worth it. Well, I got a job kind of doing what I wanted to do. And I guess I did all right. And no matter where I was in my travels, I would always drop mom and dad a card at Christmas filled with meaningless news. They would always send back a letter full of family chatter and themselves. But it wasn't the same. Sure, there were times I wanted to go back, but somehow I just couldn't. At least not until the other day when I got a call from home. It could have been one of those melodramatic scenes you see in a movie or a TV show. You know, the kind that always seemed to happen to someone else. My sister wasn't supposed to be telling me that my father had been rushed to the hospital. I walked into a dimly lit hospital room. I saw my father lying there. Mom was sitting by the side of the bed, clutching his hand. She looked at me and, and smiled weakly, tears filling her eyes. I just stood at the end of the bed, staring at my father. Suddenly, I could see three kids slowly tiptoeing into their parents' bedroom and peering at their sleeping forms over the foot of the bed. Soon enough, our whispers would make up mom, and she would motion for us to be quiet. But the anticipation of what waited for us downstairs on a Christmas morning was hard to contain. Our giggled responses were usually enough to wake up dad, and he would offer a groggy ho, 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 and we would all troop downstairs. I'll never forget how wise and peaceful he looked lying there. Yet I knew that when we journeyed downstairs to make our discoveries, he would always know exactly what I wanted and needed. Those were moments when I couldn't even imagine what my life would be like without my dad in it. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed, the, to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one would gave, him, gave him anything. Can you picture how low he was, sunk? The Jews did not eat pigs or hogs, and certainly his father would not, approve, would not have approved of his new job. But it is all that he can find. Because there is a food shortage, times are hard. And times are hard. Have you ever been around a hog pen? The smell is so overpowering that you can hardly stand to get near it. The boy is so hungry that he is willing to eat the cast-off grain husk that were not fit for humans to eat. Why do you think that they were feeding them to the pigs? And about this time, the father is undoubtedly receiving reports from migrant, migrants who are looking for work or traders passing through. And I'm sure he hears about the famine in the far country. And I bet he wonders about his boy. Is he all right? Is he getting enough to eat? Is he able to hang on to his inheritance? Basic necessities become very expensive when they are scarce. And again, he probably stands outside looking off toward the far country. 
And he weeps, crying into the night. Son, are you all right? God, forgive me for letting him go away like that. Luke 15, 17 says, talking about the son. And when he came to himself, he said, how many hired servants of my father's have bread enough to spare? And I perish with hunger. You see, the boy starts thinking about his situation and he realizes how much his father means to him. His father is a kind and generous man, a godly sort. And he knows he'd be much better off working as a hired hand for his father where he would be well fed and looked after. He gets homesick. And he gets sick with the realization of the terrible mistake that he had made. He longs for his father's love. He wrestles with the pros and cons of returning home and finally poverty-stricken, emaciated, and spiritually broken, he makes up his mind. After I left home and my family, my friends used to say, so what about you and your dad? That's the way it is with a lot of families today. We all have to live our own lives. What's so important about you and your father sharing your lives? But when I saw my father lying there, it was important. I leaned over the side of the bed and I wrapped my arms around him. I'm sorry, I whispered. I never meant to hurt you. It's just that I wanted to, and he didn't hear me. Somehow I knew he never would. For some reason, I thought about all those times when I was young, when I would go running into the room with that important missing piece of the puzzle. He was always there to lift me up and wrap his arms around me. He always told me that God loved me and thought I was important. He said that God would always be a little sad as long as I was missing and that my life would always feel a little empty. There holding my father, I realized how empty my life had been without his love in it. And I knew how sad I must have made him. I think I know now how God must feel. During all my struggles to give my life worth and meaning, he was always right there with his arms wide open, waiting for me to bring the most important piece of the puzzle to him. Maybe it's time to give it up and let him put it all together. If you're still missing a piece, I just want to say I'm sorry. I never meant to leave you, but I'm here now. I'm here. The boy realizes that he has sinned against his father on earth and God in heaven. He decides to go home. He dreads it. His father will be angry that he went away and wasted all his inheritance 
and is reduced to this pitiful state. Yet having somewhat matured lately, he decides to return home to his father. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. See what's happened here? He's coming home. And that's how I know the father was looking for him because it says right there that his father saw him a great way off. He was ever watchful for his son. He gazing across the fields, watching the path home as he had done hundreds of times. And he spies a figure, a familiar silhouette. Could it be his lost son returning home? I can just imagine him kind of as a father breaking into a run, half fearful that he's, he's mistaken, half joyous that, to think that his son is at long last returning home. Weeping uncontrollably, he runs to his son, throws his arms around his neck and kisses him. I can't help but thinking as a dad... He doesn't see his son as a, as a grown man at this point. He isn't, he isn't throwing his arms around the neck of, of some smelly, homeless vagrant that smells like a pig pen and, and, and is probably wasted away to almost nothing. But he's, he's throwing his arms around the neck of his little boy, remembering the times of his son's youth. I read through this and I think, man, if I was an artist, I would draw a picture of this dad just putting his arms around the neck of a little boy putting oversized robes on him and, and a ring on his finger that's too big and, and kind of with an outline of a grown son around the figure of the little boy is how I see that whole thing playing out in my father's eye. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the breast robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. The son knows what he deserves. If his father were to disown him and demand that he leave immediately, that outcome would be deserved. The tearful father is overjoyed beyond belief. His lost son has returned home. His son has learned his lesson, and he knows where safety and comfort are. His father rejoices and calls for celebration, a big party to welcome his son home. He gets out his nicest suit of clothes, gives him a ring, a sign of both wealth and trust, and has his tired and damaged feet put in comfortable shoes. Now he orders up a fatty calf reserved for special occasions and orders a feast prepared. Why? His son had been loused to sin in the world, but is now safely at home in his father's tender loving care. The household is buzzing with laughter and preparations for a party. The lost son is alive and home, and his father is happy once more. Men, here's the deal. Like Dylan said earlier, we've all been wayward sons at some point. Maybe that's where you are right now. Maybe you feel like you're so far away from God in some distant land, and you're just struggling through life. Struggling with, with trying to be a good father and a good husband and a good employee so you can provide for your family. I want to encourage you with these final thoughts. No job is worth the cost of your family. You don't need a man cave where you can go and be alone or, or a hobby where you can just be by yourself and think. When we get to thinking like that, that's when we become the missing puzzle piece in our own family. The sad thing is, 
Men, when we begin to take ourselves out of the family puzzle, that's a bad situation. But as an unleashed dad, you are the foundation piece that should bring your family together. You should not be a voice of contention with your wife or or harshness to your kids. We are called called to love our wives like Christ loves his church, willing to sacrifice our very lives for them. Our decision time today is for anyone who has a decision on their heart. But men, if you have been feeling like a prodigal son lately when it comes to your relationship with God or with your wife or with your family, if, if you're just overwhelmed with work and life's demands, maybe this past year your family has taken a back seat to your career. I don't know where you are, but, but I know this. When, when you come running to God, asking for a position of one of his hired hands, He will instead place a ring on your finger and a robe on your back and he will restore you and forgive you. Don't continue through life as a prodigal son. None of us should do that. We shouldn't be that person. We need to step up and be the unleashed father that God has called us to be. Let him lead you so that you can lead your family. He is here and he is waiting. The choice is yours. It's Father's Day, guys. It's a great day for us to stand as men and say, we choose this day who we will serve. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Brothers and sisters, if you have a decision to make today, don't don't take your time. Don't be like the prodigal son. Don't wait until you think you're so far out there that nobody wants you. Make that choice. Make that decision. Don't walk. Run. And let's celebrate together that God is bigger than any struggle we will ever have. Will you stand and sing with us this morning?